Welcome, folks. Welcome back to another episode. I think this is now episode five, actually, Jack, already of the Kentucky Round Ball Roundup. I am your co-host, Zach Attack. We also have the other co-host, Jack Attack. And Boom, I love that. New tagline right there. So today we're going to be discussing uh, two of the, the season openers for the Kentucky women's and men's basketball teams. Uh, kind of, we have lots to talk about, oddly enough. I mean, not oddly enough, I guess, because we haven't talked about it in eight months, but there was plenty that, that went along. So, uh, Jack, you want to go ahead and kind of uh, start us off with, with the men, we'll start with the men's team here and kind of, uh, what, are, what are we going to talk about here for these first, or these opening, opening minutes? So... You guys know that I tend to be the you know one of the more optimistic individuals. I tend to uh, you know set high expectations. I think that I have said on numerous occasions on this show that I think this is a very 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 good Kentucky basketball team. I've said that uh, I think that they are definitely uh, in position to contend for a national championship, and. I, you know, I got to admit, I had a little bit of, you know, some nerves set in just a little bit before the game, just because, you know, you, you go on these shows, you know, I, I also do my source to say back. podcast, but, you know, I, I also do my source to say podcast and, you know, every chance I've gotten to, you know, go on KSR this summer or whatever the case is, I have used my platforms to always hype this team up because, you know, I, I was, I, I liked last year's team, but I had some questions about them. They were in position to, you know, you know, they made a strong run there at the end. They could have possibly made a run in the, in the championship, but they didn't look the part of a national title team. Um, but, the, you know, watching th- this team through all the recruiting events and, and all that stuff that I've gone to, seeing these kids kind of go from juniors and high schools to, to superstar seniors, you know, going to see all of the I, – I, I think I've seen every single one. I, I think every single kid on this roster, at least the newcomers I've seen in person, um, so I personally was like, yeah, I, I, I am vouching for this team. I think You're they are gonna, that I, I got invested. And, uh, you know, part of me leading up to tip off was like, man, what if they come out here and just stink? What if, what if they just suck? What are the odds of that? And I'm going to look like the biggest moron. Uh, so nerve set in just a little bit. And it took almost no time for me to go at, eh, yeah, I was right. I'm I'm pretty confident that this is a very very good uh, basketball team. They I believe they extended their lead to 20 points. Uh, you know, leading up to halftime, I think they extended it to 30 pre in the in the just the first couple minutes of the second half, and then led by as many as 39 uh, to before the game was over. So really, the game. I mean, from start to finish, they you know threw the first punch, they threw the first haymaker, and instead of you know kind of backing off and and you know, playing down to their competition a little bit after realizing that they are the more dominant team. They kept throwing punches and haymaker after haymaker, haymaker after haymaker and led to a very early knockout punch that, uh, you know, it it was a very convincing victory. One that I came away feeling very, very impressed with, Um, you know, just not, I mean, mean, think of last year with the Evansville game and some of the other, uh, you know, lower end competition you know, teams that that Kentucky played against that teams that UK should have won by 20 plus 30 plus, they would win by eight or nine or 10 or, you know, 15 point wins, wins that didn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy afterward. Uh, You know, I was kind of, that was one of the main things I was hoping with this team is that they would come out, realize that, yeah, we are better than this team. We're longer than this team. We're stronger than this team. We're more athletic than this team and realize it from start to finish and, and, 
convert on a a a you know massive blowout victory, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. So just to recap, Kentucky did win eighty-one to forty-five in that game. We had five players, four players scoring double digits. Um, minutes went across everywhere. Um, who were you most impressed by? Just uh, early. F- f- name your two guys that most impressed you that weren't named BJ Boston. Terrence Clark. By far, he was the one guy I think I wrote in somewhere. I think I wrote in KSR, maybe said on on this show that um, that he was one guy that I was really hoping would kind of, you know, assert himself very early as a guy. I think he he somebody tweeted something along the lines of uh, Terrence Clark isn't going to be a lottery pick this year or something. And, and I think he liked that tweet almost like a all right. Who okay, said that? You don't, Who tweeted that? I think it was like a name your hot take for this Kentucky oh. basketball team. And it was like okay. a Terrence Clark Very wasn't going to Terrence Clark wasn't going to be a lottery pick. And he liked it like right before the game started the day of. Uh, so I, part of me was kind of like, he's going to come out with an edge. He's going to come in there looking to prove something. And he did. I thought at six foot seven long wingspan, I mean, just kind of that, that bulky, you could tell he has an NBA ready body and he showed that. I mean, against a bunch of, of guards that, flat out could not guard him. They couldn't stay in front of him. He he was the most, I'd say, physically overwhelming player on the team yesterday or on on Wednesday evening um, just because he was able to overpower everybody. He was able to beat everybody off the dribble. I mean, just just he was able to get to spaces and and get to places on the floor that uh, you know wherever he wanted at, at in whatever the circumstance was he was a guy that um, if if he wanted to go out there and score thirty plus points he he could have because there wasn't a, there wasn't anybody on uh, Morehead State that could slow him down or stop him in the slightest so that was definitely something that I, I kind of you know I think he loaded the stat sheet I think he finished with was it twelve points four rebounds four assists two steals is that stat line off the top he of my head had, let's see he had 12 points four steals or four assists four rebounds three steals only two three turnovers. steals went five for nine yeah so Done. i mean just very efficient i mean some of the things minutes. he was i mean he had that baseline up and under finish he had a, a couple really impressive floaters that that you steal know, at half court me, was one of my favorite yes moments. Yeah, uh, I mean, just both ends of the floor. I mean, he was just long, that long, twitchy body that that really, I mean, you know, can cover space. I think I said on this show after UK Pro Day that there was one moment of, of Pro Day where he was running baseline and it took like two full strides and he, he went from one corner three to the other. And I was like, man, that's an NBA looking you know, stride. That's a dude that that can cover a lot of space very quickly, kind of like those viral videos of Giannis Antetokounmpo you know, taking four glides from one and one free throw line to the other on the other end of the court where you're like, whoa, that's that's pretty nuts. Terrence Clark, obviously not Giannis, but that similar where you you see him do things and you're like, that's an NBA, that's an NBA player right there. So uh Terrence is definitely the guy that the definitely stole a show for me immediately. And then well let I me would, let, would, before you get into your second guy, let me let me kind of go ahead and uh just make some point some things out here. Uh, obviously, I think Kentucky looked looked very good, but I think we need to kind of establish the fact that it was still Morehead State, and sure. their best player was remember uh, his best. The best player actually had torn up their ACL the week before when we were talking well, yeah. about on the uh, on the show the other day. So missing him um, 
Moorhead State wasn't exactly good last year. Um, they weren't expect, exactly expected to be good this year. So that's where I'll temper some of the uh, expectations. But kind of to go on, and Brandon Ramsey actually for KSR made a, point, a bunch of points in one of the articles earlier today talking about how, you know, the small things that we can take away from this game as far as um, not necessarily just physically overpowering them, but kind of what you were saying, like how Terrence Clark is just long and is just yeah. – longer than all like just some of the smaller aspects of the game that um you won't necessarily think about when you're watching uh, a team win by 45 points but they're there and they're and um i think those those were like those were the things that i was looking for personally so kind of like what you were talking about with terrence clark and when i mentioned that that half court steal it's just those those little uh, like the simple the simple things of the game is what I, they really did well yeah I thought. and i will say being totally honest terrence clark is a guy that developed a reputation in high school and across the AU circuit and even Calipari has said it on numerous occasions that he is a cocky cocky kid uh he is one that you know carries a swagger to him but almost a, a level of arrogance at least in high at the high school level he had a level of arrogance to him that he if there was, was one per, if there was one player on the roster that you would think might play down to the competition because he's overlooking them and looking ahead to the Richmonds of the world the Kansas of the world the Louisville's of the world you know the uh, the UK's upcoming opponents I would I would have assumed that it would be Terrence Clark and I thought he was one of the most locked in players on the entire team I thought from the jump he was locked in ready to go and again Yes, it's Moorhead State, and, and I, I wrote the, the game recap afterward, and I, I compared the team. Okay, this is a team that is 10 deep. We played 10 players, uh, 10 scholarship players, would have played 11 if Keon Brooks was, was healthy. Um, this is a team that is physically overwhelming in length, size, just pure skill, pure athleticism that – it's not the 2014-15 team at all. This is not this is not a 38 and one team. You know, one of I mean that was one of the best teams we have ever seen with our own two eyes at the college level. But the same way they overwhelmed opponents, where you know the the first unit is is just you know throwing jab after jab and just wearing them out, overpowering you know just being physical, tearing them down. And then the second unit comes in, and you have, uh, you know, Davion Mintz coming in as a as just a, a spark plug. It looked really good. A little a, bit a, impressed me a little bit more than I thought he would. Yeah, a, a, that spark plug offensive piece off the bench, and you have, you know, Cameron Fletcher, who I I thought was just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, very very, you know, just very very impressed with what he brought to the table. He's the guy that filled a role that that Khalil Whitney should have filled last year. Which is very, on the wing which is very frustrating to me because Calipari kind of told Khalil terms. Whitney, you know, told Khalil Whitney going into the last year, hey, you're not physically there yet. You know, your your skill isn't quite there yet, but you can go out there and fill a role on this team that nobody can do right now with with your length, athleticism, and just motor. If you go out there and just be a strong perimeter defense, you know, defender and hit a corner three every now and then, be there for put-back dunks, be there for clean-up clean up plays, you're going to have a role on this team. Khalil Whitney was not willing to accept that role. Cameron Fletcher, one game into his career, and Cameron Fletcher is a guy that, you know, talking to people in recruiting circles, AAU circles, he was a guy that a lot of people penciled in as an immediate transfer guy, that he's not going to last. They said, you know, his personality is just going to clash. He's 
he doesn't have the work ethic. He doesn't have the right frame of mind to fit at Kentucky. And, you know, I, I've said this on this show before. He's a guy that I am rooting for pretty, pretty hard because he had those naysayers coming in his college career that said he wasn't willing to put in that works, so that said that he wasn't going to, uh, you know, be able to make it from a personality standpoint. And I thought from the jump, uh, you know, Cameron Fletcher showed more in you know one single game than we got in a single game from Khalil Whitney at all last year. I'm gonna be. I mean, is that fair? Is that you fair? Even say the whole season, say? honestly. I mean, I genuinely thought that Cameron Fletcher was more impactful in one game than we got out of Khalil Whitney at all. And, and Khalil's yep. a, a great kid. He you know had some some people in his ear telling him that he is something that he's not yet and kind of led to his professional route. I'm rooting for him. I hope, I hope he makes it with the Charlotte Hornets, you know, good for him for, you know, finding that role, you know, great on him, but what his Kentucky career was, what was, was what it was. It was, it was underwhelming. And uh, you know, I kind of, my, 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 you know, measuring stick for Cameron Fletcher's career was Khalil Whitney, what his role was supposed to be. And he came in and filled it immediately. And I think, Going back to the the initial question, who were your two players? It was Terrence Clark, number one, and De- uh, Davion Mintz and uh, Cameron Fletcher as kind of 2A, 2B for me. Cool. Wait, so um, – wait, who was that first guy you just said? Davion Mintz. I, I, Davion Mintz you you okay. kind of mentioned him in passing. It, it was more so my comfort level with the point guard position as a whole just because – I thought well, he, proved that he could be a, a, he can he proved very quickly that he could be just a catch and shoot guy. I, I feel like yeah. we we need those type of guys, especially now I, in the in the current game. You need a catch and shoot guy very very badly. I think Devin Askew fits what Kentucky is looking for in the starting lineup better than Davion Mintz does in, in a way that. Devin Askew is without a doubt the better floor general. He's, you mm-hmm. know, I think his court vision is better. I think, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that alongside BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, and, you know, throwing lobs to Isaiah Jackson, being able to feed uh, Olivier Saar in the post, having that floor general with your starting lineup is much more effective than – you know, I, I think that second lineup needs that scoring punch that Davion Mintz provides mm-hmm. where – you get the floor general with Devin Askew with the other scoring pieces. You get the scoring piece in the second unit with the other facilitating role players with that second unit. I think given both of their roles and given, uh, you know, the, who they are playing alongside with both units, I think it's a perfect, perfect match the way the lineup is fit uh, and, and, you know, how things are, are laid out right now. I wouldn't change a single thing if I were Calipari. So I do, I do agree that, that, Devin Askew is very, very much the a floor general type guy. Can, he's obviously going to run this offense for the time being, no matter what happens. I agree with that. Although I will say, I think Davion Mintz is probably the better player right now, if you're just sure. talking about in terms of a whole. Because um, I will say, like, Devin, he played well, but I thought there were a lot of things that he didn't do great, like uh, in terms of what a Cal point guard wants. I thought he had a lot of really bad poor turnovers where he just kind of tossed the ball away. You're, you know, I don't think we're going to get anything close to like a – I don't think we had any expectations like this, but we're not going to get anything close to like a John Wall or um, anything like that out of him. You're going to be looking at more of like a Marcus Teague type deal, which, you know, obviously Marcus Teague would be a good uh, comparison if we're trying to take that route. So but that, that's kind of where I'm at on Askew. The, Devin Askew is – Yeah, and, and that's another thing. I mean – He's going to have game. freshman turnovers. That's, that's 
part of why he is, you know, him with the other pieces around him. They don't need Devin Askew to play perfect basketball right now. They need him to facilitate well for the other offensive pieces on the floor. And if they need a catch and shoot guy, he will provide that. I thought some of the most beautiful basketball uh, Kentucky played against Moorhead State was when they would get the ball inside to Olivier Saar, or I think there was another situation. Uh, it went to Isaiah Jackson, who got double team fed it at, at the free throw line to Jacob Toppin, who swung it over to the wing for Devin Askew. But on two separate occasions, it was a toss the ball inside to one of UK's star front court pieces the d- defenders clog inside hoping to double team and trap and, and make uh, the, the interior player uncomfortable, made a smart pass out for a wide open look for Devin Askew. And he converted on, on two, two, two of three attempts. The, the other attempt was, was a little bit funkier, but in that catch and shoot, Hey, this, you know, we're, we're giving you the alley. We're giving you the, the, the easy attempt to make a name for yourself to, you know, kind of prove your role here he converted on both of them. And I was like, boom, perfect. That's exactly what we need out of Devin Askew. Be the facilitator. Don't screw up too much. Still be that assist guy. You know, still bring to the table what you're good at. We'll live with some of the mistakes knowing that Davion Mintz is coming in with that second unit to be that immediate scoring punch, which is, I mean, what do you have? 10 points in 17 minutes? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, just very efficient basketball from from Davion Mance. I, I like, like I said, I just think the chemistry, the the just the the formula that Calipari has right now. And again, it's been one minute, we or one game. We have seen forty minutes of Kentucky basketball so far. We can't make any massive assumptions outside of what we already knew going into it to see if if some of those you know thoughts were confirmed with this game or you know. It, you can still you can still have positive takeaways mm-hmm. and negative takeaways, frankly, if if there were any. But nothing about this team changed uh, in game one than it did in my in my expectations leading up to it. And I think that's what makes me so uh, excited for the future. As high as my expectations were, mm-hmm. they're still exactly at the same the, at the same place. No, and I agree. And I, you know, Morehead State they shot three for twenty one from three and missed half their free throws. So there's it's just there's also small random things like that that are just appear to make the game closer than it really was. But going back to what you're about to ask you, um, it, it's very clear that he, like you were saying, he knows his role and he knows that his role is to feed off of BJ Boston, and Terrence Clark, which I think is one of the major keys is that he obviously knows from the jump that he's not going to be the guy that has to come in and, and fill up the box score. So that's good on its own that he realizes that the fact that he showed that he can score if he needs to was, was really good. Um, just the playmaking kind of a, uh, got to me a little bit at times, but you know, when you have Davion Mintz that can come in and do that kind of like, if you want to compare it to NBA level, like a Jordan Clarkson type role, like come off the bench and just score points whenever and however he needs to. So that's, that's definitely a fantastic one, two punch right there. Zach. And I'll, I'll ask you this cause I had a thought during the game and I want to see what, what you think about it. Olivier Saar didn't get his first basket until the second half. Um, he had zero points and two rebounds at, uh, at at the end of the first half, and I think it, or maybe he was zero and zero. I think he was. Did he have zero point zero rebounds at halftime? Whatever it was, it took a, a, a at least until the second half for him to score his first points, um, and it might have even been until the second half till he got his first rebounds. It, at the very least, very late in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. 
didn't need him. I mean, I'm yeah. going to be totally honest. He's how, how crazy is it that Kentucky's guard play was so impressive and wing, you know, obviously, you know, one through four, one through three, Kentucky was so impressive and got so much production that Kentucky didn't need their third best player. They mm-hmm. didn't. A, a dude that put up 30 and, and 18 last year against uh, Notre Dame, 25 and 15 against, you know, I mean, the dude has put up monster numbers against legitimate competition. And Kentucky flat out did not need him on Wednesday night against Moorhead State. Mm-hmm. And they will eventually as the season toils along and they'll absolutely need him against a better team like Kansas that, you know, can actually bang down low with him. Because for Olivier Starr, you know, after all the time he spent in the ACC going up against them, it, you know, he's, you saw in the second half, he can just put up those points if he needs to. But, you know, they didn't need to feed him. They didn't need to play him. He only played 21 minutes. Um like, like, it's just a team, again, like, Moorhead, I didn't think we, we needed to see him. So, with Olivier Saar, I remember last time, I think, what the thing, some of the things that I wanted to see were under 10 turnovers, which they had 15, 15, so, but that's whatever, because um, yeah. I really, I thought overall they did a good job in that area. But I wanted to see what Olivier Saar um, actually is, and I don't think we actually just got a chance to do that. So, yeah. I think well once we um, can get a couple more games in the season and see that Kansas game where you know he's actually going to go up and get some some big guys, um, we'll see if Cal actually wants to go in and feed him or play more in and out with him or um, stuff like that. So I do kind of agree with you that they just didn't need him and maybe something the best thing for this team would be Olivier Sar being like the fourth best player. Like um, it may be someone like by the end of the season, like Askew or Isaiah Jackson being that third best, third best player. Maybe that's what's actually best for this team in the long run, just as we've kind of seen in previous years that if you've got the guards and the wings, that's really all you need to win. Like you don't necessarily need a big imposing big to make a final four or win a championship. And I think when you have two superstar wing players, that's, that's a bigger advantage than most teams. So like you said, Olivier Sar, we didn't need him, but we, I think we will eventually just not uh, nearly as big of a terms as BJ or Terrence. And, and I think the, the kind of the bigger takeaway out of all of that is last year, it felt that Kentucky needed Ashton Hagens, Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel quickly and Nick Richards all to be thriving in order to, to look overwhelmingly dominant for them to, for them to look like a title contender for them to look the part of a, of a, you know, at, at times they just look like a bad basketball team. I mean, not forget t- title contender, you know, making a big run, forget all that stuff. There were times they just looked like a flat out horrible basketball team because one or two of those pieces were not living up to their hype. And just the overall talent level, I think, is the big part of that. Because, you know, we saw Tyrese go 21 in the draft, and there's a good chance that we could have three lottery picks off this team. So, in that aspect, you know, if Tyrese did have an off game, that was terrible because there was no one good enough to come in. But, you know, if BJ has a bad game, Terrence Clark is better than Tyrese Maxey. So... That's that is that that's kind of like the boom big picture takeaway that I had from this game was the talent level is just much better. Olivier Saar is a damn good basketball player, very, very, very talented basketball player. Would he have been the best player on last year's team? Um, probably not. I'd still say Tyrese Maxey in terms of just pure talent, uh, is is obviously a step and it's apples and oranges comparing guards to right you know big men in terms but, of what we're looking for but just pure to, it's it's role i mean it's just it's all about role i mean it just 
what we need out of Olivier Saar is exactly what he provided against Moorhead State was when we need you, please step up. Go to, yeah. Go they to didn't need they they didn't need him until you know they they got that second half. You know they I think they found him on that fast break alley oop, kind of got you know a, an extra little. They they didn't need another punch. You know a, a punch of excitement. Uh, you know a, a little bit of momentum. They didn't need it. But it was yet another, you know, another thing where it's like, all right, yep, we're rolling. Cats are rolling. Well, that's, like, you know, that's like going. not letting off the gas, like kind of what that's, last year's yep. team had uh, some, sometimes a habit of doing. So we didn't see that once in, on yeah. Wednesday, which, which is definitely good, even if it is against a team like Morehead State. So, yeah, there's, there is an asterisk, asterisk next to the, you know, high expectation after this game because it is Morehead State. Any but hot take has an asterisk. Don't, but don't let this take away from your – like, I don't want fans to look at that game and be like, well, it's just Moorhead State. Who cares if they blew them out? This team last year could not blow a team out like that. They just physically could not. Whatever the case was, we sat there so many times and said, what are we missing here? Why can we not beat Evansville by 100? Why can we not beat – I think UK beat EKU by 22 points last year, I think. I think, and that was the most, wow, we finally put it all together game. And it was a 22-point win. That, like, that team last year just, I mean, they, they, they had some tough, grinded-out victories. They came together, and they just found a way to win. But part of that is what you're saying with everyone was working together once SEC got play started as Cal got the yeah. ball to just play on the same page. And that was key. Yeah, we, we've been – we – we never could get a just a dominating, overwhelming victory. We just we just physically couldn't. And game one, we got that. We should have Kentucky should have beaten Moorhead State by forty points, and they did. Mm-hmm. That's 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 you know that's ultimate takeaway. Yep. Kentucky Kentucky should have beaten Moorhead State by as much as they did, and they did. And that's that that's what made me that's what made me happy about it. You got any more thoughts on this game or? What do you think? Of um, I'm sure you, you got know, something. Um, kind of interested to see where Keon Brooks fits back into the equation. I uh, mm-hmm. got to be honest, this team. Eight players played over 17 minutes. I'm granted, a big fan. Granted, it was a blowout, but you got to think about that as well. You know, where does Keon fit in those? I'm a big fan of this rotation exactly how it is right now. I'll be honest, I don't take as a. I think I read or or saw somewhere that the one, uh, you know, if there's one thing to to kind of favor Keon Brooks in the starting lineup instead of Isaiah Jackson is we kind of saw what happens when the uh, you know foul trouble hits very early because yeah. outside of outside of Isaiah Jackson and Livier Sar it was Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware. Yeah. Like that was the, that was the front court, and, and that will obviously change and be more a little bit more flexible. Um, you know, they'll get a little bit more leeway whenever Keon Brooks is back because that is such a dynamic, you know, front court piece at, at the power forward spot. So, you know, kind of tough to have any major takeaways about the front court right now. But if there was any major weakness that you could kind of see on this team was okay, what does happen with this group whenever foul trouble does come? What what where do they go if Isaiah Jackson and Olivier Sar is Keon Brooks going to be able to counter that say both BJ Boston and Terrence Clark are having a rough game and they can't buy, you know, this team can't buy a shot from deep, whatever the case is, 
you know, can Keon Brooks kind of be that stable force? What does, what does he bring to the table on this team? He, he, he just picked up so much confidence there at the end of the season. Um, and I really want him to keep building on that, but still not try to do the PJ Washington sophomore year jump, just feel the need that, okay, every time I touch the ball, I got to do something with it. I'm the sophomore guy. I, I'm, I should be the one to, you, you know, take this game over and be Mr. Production. UK doesn't need that from Keon, and I, I hope he doesn't take that personally. You know, I, I, I want Keon. That good to if, do that? if Keon plays the exact same role that he was last year, especially toward the end of the year where he was just that solid six-man, solid, strong piece off the bench, even if he starts just that solid complementary piece, Kentucky's golden. They, is, if, if he doesn't overdo himself, Kentucky's golden and I, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how he fits back into uh, back into things once once he returns back onto the floor well you know but the next time we do this podcast we could be saying the complete opposite with games against Richmond potential NCAA tournament team and then Kansas so we'll definitely figure out every we'll, we'll figure out what exactly we are here very very soon this, this next week will be make or break. I'm telling you, here, hear me out. This is my, this is my one promise to you. Uh-oh. Hear me out. We're doing hot if takes. Kentucky, if Kentucky goes out and dominates against Richmond and plays very well against – see, think of that 2014-15 team. The one moment where we all said, oh, this team is what we think it is was the Kansas game when they mm-hmm. won 72-40 to 40 or whatever it was. Th- that was the one time where yeah, somebody posted the the stat line of it, I think yesterday and nobody had a great game on that group. You know, it was a, every individual effort was like fine, nothing special. Nobody had a 30 point blowout game. I mean, it was just, it was just, you know, it was fine, but they still won by 32 points. And I was just like, okay, maybe this team is what we think it is. Kansas after that Kansas game, if, if there is a similar uh, – if they blow out Kansas in, in a similar fashion, even if Gonzaga it's – Gonzaga style. 15 – yes. If, if Kentucky wins in that 10 to 15 point, even, you know, 15, 20 point range, I'm coming on this podcast. Guns Ooh. a-blazing. Hot take, central. I'm going to have to get the bleep that is ready. That is going to be me after – uh, after that game, and if if they go out and they don't look the part, I'll come I'll come right back and I'll be like, yeah, maybe I was wrong, maybe I was overdoing it to start with. I'll take the blame. That's fine with that. I'm I'm okay with that. I'll I'll take the blame. But I I'm very excited for these next two games, just in the slight possibility that they look the part of that. Oh wow, team! You haven't seen Kentucky basketball in nine months. You're a little you're a little excited, I think. Just let me let me live my life. Let me dream big, Zach. I, gonna, I feel like I owe it live. to myself. Hey, yeah, we're back. I, so. I feel like I owe it to myself. Well, that's uh, that's all I have for it. Let's transition then, because we had another blowout win on uh, Wednesday, but under <laughs> incredibly different circumstances. So, yeah, the women's team came out and smacked Murray State, eighty-six to sixty. Was not particularly close. Um, outside of maybe the first 40 seconds of the game. So, but that wasn't the story. The story was the fact that exactly one hour before tip-off, I received an email saying that Ryan Howard and Tatiana Wyatt will not be playing and they'll be suspended for two and three games, two for Ryan, three for Tatiana, four. 
basically stuff that they won't tell us about. No one knows. I won't even try and get into, you know, the conspiracy theories of whatever it is. They, they said it was not COVID related though. So right? the way, the way that they asked the question, it's not COVID like they don't have COVID or anything like that. But uh, yeah, but yeah. Our, you know, what we've kind of been texting in the group chat and obviously don't take anything what we're about to say here seriously, but is that maybe, you know, they broke pro COVID protocols or something along those lines and coach LZ, team, pro- team, COVID protocols. Yeah, because Tatiana's they, was three they broke games. their own bubble. Yeah, yeah. Tatiana's was three games for violating team rules, and Ryan's was two for not with upholding team standards or program standards. So, very like that's that's those are always in-house punishments, and that's exactly what Coach Elsie said after the game. She said, "Look, I'm not going to go into details." Someone asked if it was COVID related. She said, "No, it's not COVID related." She was the the most we got out of her was she's like they made a bad mistake, and. You know, the way I read that is they did, they just did something stupid off campus. And we said, we kind of, uh, we speculated in our group chat that it wasn't that, that Ryan got the two games because it, she knew about it and didn't say anything. And the, the three game suspension was for actually doing it. Yeah. Maybe something that, breaking that's the, just, the COVID protocols. That's just us speculating. Just think, just, you know, trying to play the odds. If they're doing something together, why wouldn't they both get three games? It would yeah. only make sense. And this is again, 100% pure speculation. We could be completely off, off, you know, off the rails here. And probably but are. It, it kind of feels like it's a one person did it. The other person knew about it and didn't talk about it and if, just let it happen and if i had to guess i would say it wasn't even anything serious i definitely think it was more of a coach elsie saying look y'all better start taking this shit seriously because i'm not i'm not screwing around um yeah and, and even watching coach elsie in that first game on the sidelines she's she's very much different from matthew mitchell in a lot of in a lot of ways just in how they because uh not to uh you know go after her or anything, but Coach Elsie was getting on to these players the entire game. No matter what the score was, she was ruthless. And one of the first things I noticed is um, Matthew Mitchell was, you know, he loves, he did the dance at Big Boo Madness, loved all that stuff. Um, There was a point during the game where Kentucky was up by like 20 points in maybe the third quarter. And um, there was, for some reason, it was a long, long extended break during the timeout. All the players were just standing on the free throw line, waiting literally with the ref with the ball in their hand for them to blow the whistle. And a song was playing and uh, Kiki McKinney and Olivia Owens kind of were dancing there. And uh, Kyra Elsie on the sideline stands up and yells, stop, stop that right now. And immediately stopped real quick and then like got to playing. So (laughs) it, and that's, that's something that I, Kiki loves to dance and she was doing that stuff all year last year. And not once did Matthew Mitchell say anything about it. So got to set the immediately got to set the tone, not, not taking any shit. She's just not. And uh, yeah. I thought that was awesome. And I definitely think that that was part Love of it. Uh, what they're doing. So now let, let me ask you, considering the fact that UK was missing two of their, you know, most significant standout pieces, how I'm confident sorry, my, my mic was uh, unplugged there. What'd you just say? Just saying, considering Kentucky was without two of their most standout pieces, are you know inarguably their their biggest standout piece in in Ryan Howard. How much more confident are you in this team? Again, considering the competition, we get all that, knowing that they were still able to go out there and look the way they did. So I still anticipated them to win by as much as they did without Ryan, just because the gap between power five and non-power five in women's basketball is 
greater than it is in men's basketball. So you, you could just tell that, you know, even without Ryan, that Kentucky still had just an unbelievable amount of talent surrounded. Like all, it's not like they had a bunch of freshmen coming in or something like that. You know, they had yeah. SEC players, veterans, you know, players that have won trophies before. So by no means did I expect any, anything like that, like an upset. So 26 points was kind of, I expected 30. That's what I said last time was 30 plus, And that was with Ryan. So 26 without yeah. Ryan um, was good enough, but the biggest takeaway was had, had to be Chastity Patterson putting up 30 points without Ryan immediately. That was beautiful. Yeah. Immediately mm-hmm. proving that she can be the second best player on this team and a go-to score, which you absolutely need. You need a very, very good secondary score, which Kentucky didn't necessarily have last year. They kind of had it in Chastity Patterson, but she was still growing into that role. She only got to play the back end of last year. So now she's had the full off season, um, and, and all that to finally prepare for it. She came out, she was attacking immediately. She was going right to the rim. She's like five, six, but went into the trees, shot like nine free throws in the first half, uh, finished with, I think, 14 attempts, um, was hitting all her shots, was playing uh, very good pick and roll basketball with Olivia Owens, who looked fantastic on the block as the six foot four center that they finally needed. I will say that was my, my big, uh, you know, one thing I was looking out for. Very excited about the debut of Olivia Owens last yeah. time, just saying. Yeah, no, she looked great. Not to my own horn, but I was very up, excited buddy. about that. She had like nine points, nine points and eight rebounds, I think, something along those lines. So just she – Exactly what they needed. Yeah, she was she was rim running. That was great as she proved that she can run the floor and will – Chessie Patterson was rewarding her as well. So um, the, definitely the biggest takeaway was that, especially when Ryan get, gets back, Kentucky is going to have a second player that can come out and just pour in points whenever they want. Now right. the next the next thing is going to be trying to find number three, which is really how you would establish you know a Final Four team. So we had a couple of options that kind of popped up after obviously still first game Murray State, but um, Treasure Hunt the freshman looks pretty good coming out. Um, most of her scoring opportunities were more catch and shoot type deals. So um, same kind of deal with Blair Green, who actually did look much much better in her debut game. It, she looked better in that game than she did in any game as a sophomore. So I was very happy to see that. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to find that third go-to score just yet, or I, I don't know if I can give you an idea of who it's going to be right now, but Chastity Patterson definitely being number two was um, our biggest takeaway. And yeah. then the, the three freshmen overall, I will talk about for a second because Kyra, uh, Kyra Elzey eased them in. She was, she had the, all three freshmen go in last. She had, I think she played all 11 rotation players before she let or eight rotation players before she let the three freshmen get in. So, and uh, treasure was actually the last one to get in. She still ended up with 12 points, I think, or something like that. But um, Aaron Toller came in and um, she did a lot better than I thought she would. She was fearless, came out, looked like she can quickly fill in any reserve point guard minutes that uh, they might need whenever Chelsea Patterson's out, however many that might be. Um, Naya Leveretter was easily the most athletic player on the court in, at six foot three. You could tell, like, you know how, um, like with Willie Colley-Stein, I was always like, did you know he played football in, in yeah. high school? <laughs> but Naya Leveretter is always going to be, did you know she played volleyball in high school? Because she jumps over everyone and just gets every tip ball. And, and she was doing that against, granted, most of their, most. I don't think Murray State had anyone over like six foot two or six three. So she was more or less the taller one there, but she was out jumping them by you know, over a foot. So the freshman impressed me. I don't think there was really any bad necessarily takeaways. I mean, they forced 
30, I have some of the stats here. They forced 32 turnovers. Chastity Patterson had eight of them herself. She was literally just picking off girls in the backcourt. It was kind of, there was points where it was, it was actually like I was laughing. I was chuckling while I was sitting there. Yeah. Courtside. Um, and they kind of tempered off as the game went along. Like the first half, they played really, really, really well. Like looked like a fantastic team. They shot 47 from the field, five for 13 from three. But then in the second half, they dipped down to 33% from the field, 21% from three. I think part of that was just fatigue and just various factors of, you know, winning by so much. But I would like to see them do that still for a whole game. And instead of winning 86 to 60, try and go for 100 to 50 or something like that. Because if we're trying to set a bar or something like that, I don't know if you saw the South Carolina women's score, but they won, I think it was like 113 to 38 against like college of Charleston or something like yeah. that. So who the, knows, who knows yeah. how good they're obviously trash, but for them to win by like 90 points is just insane. So yeah, that's, that's a team that does get to play <laughs> twice. So if you're trying to set some, some standards, obviously, you know, not have a Ryan, the game would have been much more yeah. different and they probably would have won by a similar score or if not more, but there was still a lot of good takeaways and, um, Elsie got her first win, so that was really cool. First career coaching win, much deserved. Um, Ryan won't be, or Ryan and Tatiana obviously won't play on the game on Sunday against Belmont, so we'll kind of be in the same situation again. But then they play um, on Tuesday or Wednesday next week, so we'll finally see Ryan again loading up. Uh, she'll play against Kansas State, which will be their first real game. Uh, Kansas State has a player who's going to compete for Big Twelve Player of the Year, Big Twelve, Big Twelve Player of the Year. So. That, that's when we'll really start to learn about this team. And then they've got a couple ranked games kind of coming after that. So kind of the same situation as the men's team right now where, yeah, they blew them out and they did look genuinely really good. Um, and it was like the smaller minute things as opposed to actually shooting percentages, but just in terms of, you know, playing sound basketball. And mm-hmm. Kentucky's the, just like the men's team, this women's team is deep. They went 11 players deep. And outside of maybe Cameron Roach and Emma King, everyone really played, you know, played well and contributed uh, to their minutes. So, and Emma King, uh, she'll, she'll get back on her shot. She was 0 for 6 actually, but um, she got the start probably at the last minute, did not even know she was going to start, I'm sure, until yeah. an hour before the game and was like, oh, okay, I'm starting I, I, my sophomore year. And maybe some nerves got to her a bit, so I wouldn't take too much into that. But they're deep and they've got a, they've got a lot of really, really good players. So my, my, my next thing that I'm going to be looking out for is to tr- – for uh, Treasure Hunt to try and do what Ryan did her freshman year, which is instead of just kind of popping up for uh, open jumpers, which she did great of actually, is really taking it, commanding the ball, getting to the rack and everything like that, which I just assume will come over time as she adapts to the game. So, but all in all, good first, good first 40 minutes for them. Good, good first 40 minutes from uh, both the Kentucky men's and women's team. Definitely, definitely reason for excitement on both accounts. Absolutely. Both number we got a ten number ten and a number eleven. I think we'll both jump up a little bit in the rankings. Yeah, be nice. We'll yep. try and go especially to that one spot at the same time. Especially with wins this weekend, it'll. Uh, when did the poll, new polls come out? Always Monday, I think for Monday. So if you know two convincing victories on Sunday will definitely result in in a uh, in a jump for both for both, and I think that's something we're both expecting. It'll be fun. Yep. So, anything else you kind of want to chit chat about? Man, I think I think we have hit hit our limit. I'm very Here, excited I'm, I'm looking about at the box. I'm looking at the box score a little bit. Let me talk about just a couple of other players because I do got a couple more little thoughts and words that I'm gonna talk about. Um, 
we were we talked about Olivia Owens and how she did really well. Look, looking at hers now, she had seven points and nine rebounds, but she did foul out. Um, so and against a team that didn't have much size, that was probably should not have fouled out against. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably you know if we're going to have to make an, an assumption, that's probably going to be one of her bigger issues going going forward. Um, and then kind of the same deal happened with Drayon Edwards, who I was really excited. That was the player that I really wanted to see play, and um, immediately picked up two fouls in the first I think fifty seconds of the game. Couldn't really get back in, never got her flow going, missed a couple of layups. So her debut didn't go nearly as uh, well as I would have liked it, but um, we'll continue to see that as it goes on. And then um, Kiki McKinney was steadily the, the second best player, probably throughout, even though she had six points, but she had three rebounds, two assists, a couple uh, was playing un- unbelievable defense. Um, she's, I think she's has to be Kentucky's best play, uh, player on that end, even with Ryan. Um, so just steady all around from them. Um, Robin Benton, the transfer from Auburn is the player. She didn't shoot very well. She was two for 10, but she's the player that you could tell has played in the SEC for two years. Yeah. Was easily one of the smarter players on the court and all that. So that's about, uh, that's about all I got there. Well, that's, uh, a lot of exciting stuff. I am thrilled for this weekend. I was thrilled with both opening performances and, uh, um, you know, definitely looking forward to Sunday. I think Sunday is going to be the first time, at least on, on the men's side that we can mm-hmm. go, all right, let's, let's let, you know, what, what is this team actually? And, and uh, yeah. that's definitely, definitely what I'm looking forward to. Like I said, ne- this time when we do this podcast again, next Friday, we'll, we'll really know what, where we're, where we're standing at. We'll get a much better idea. So we'll be able to crap all over this team if we need to then. And I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, are you ready to wrap it up here, Jackie? Let's get out of here. All right, buddy. Well, it's good to go. Uh, where can they, where can they find your work? I'd never say that, but where can well, they find you? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Uh, reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. Love talking to the fans. If you have any questions or whatever, uh, um, definitely enjoy the feedback and, uh, um, Looking forward to keep going, keeping the show going. We're having a lot of fun with this. Maybe we'll have to do a mailbag one day. We will. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you want to follow me, my name is Zach Gagan, uh, KSR, or on Twitter, I am Z Gagan, KSR, that's G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N, the triple G's. That's all I got though, Jack. Round ball roundup. Woody's roundup is rounded up. Peace out. Woody's (laughs) roundup.